the VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 627, recorded on October 5th, 627th edition of the TD Gaming Podcast and 460th episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Dinser. I am Scott Dirk. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry. So yeah, um, I listened to last week's podcast and there was a marked improvement. <laughs> because I'm actually using a real mic instead of a headset. That's good. I'm glad to hear that uh, it was better and worth the money, you know, I... And also quite a bit of noise reduction on my end, too. Um, so we're going to move straight on to what have you been playing. DJ, what have you been playing? Mm, mostly Deathloop. I have, uh, I've still been... I, I finished my first playthrough, and now I'm playing a second time with Sam. So uh, this is... Uh, I, I'm, I, I enjoy the hell out of that game. And most of it is because the dialogue is just fun throughout that game, whether it's the characters that, whether it's Colt and Juliana or whether it's just like conversations you come across in the world. That game's, uh, that game's got some good voice acting and it's got some good conversations and dialogue throughout it. And it really makes everything all the more fun. Well, that, that basically what happened with, uh, with Dishonored, right? I mean, Dishonored had the same thing. I, yeah. did, I guess Prey, although you really don't talk to many people in Prey, yeah, a lot of people are dead in prey, so it's harder <laughs> to find conversations in the world. But uh, um, I also know that the praise for Deathloop is not universal. There are some people who really don't like it. It's a quirky game for like the way it's built, and I think that's kind of the tor- turnoff for a lot of people is that some people just don't like having like the whole time loop thing where you <coughs> have to get certain equipment several times over because you can only carry so much back to your base. You can only have three weapons equipped and you can only have, uh, two powers equipped at any given time. So if you find it, so if you find another power, then you have to kind of figure out what, or if you find something you want, you kind of sometimes have to figure out what you're going to leave behind. And some people just don't like that. There's also the logical fallacy of all these guys don't remember what happened in the previous loops. What is the point of being in the loop if you don't remember it? <laughs> it's explained in game, and I think it's an adequate explanation. Mm. I don't know. Like I, I don't have any issues with the narrative so much as like I, I, I if I haven't seen a lot of issues with the narrative either. So much as I've just seen issues with the whole mechanic of the game of like the time looping the. Uh, the invasion mechanic, I know people... But you can also put it on single-player mode, so that's kind of a moot point to me anyways. I don't know. I, peop- I think a lot of people are used to the the idea of an invader from uh, from Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know. It's probably, it's probably going to be one of my games of the year, just because it's so... It's everything Arcane does, and 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 also an evolution of it at the same time, which just makes me 
Please just punch. Well, you know what came out today, right? Uh, which one? Super Monkey Ball? Banana yes. Mania, <laughs> yes. Super Monkey Ball. The uh, the, tra- the the launch trailer was released today. So we're not just... talking about Nickelodeon All Stars, bro. No. No. <laughs> what happened to PlayStation All Stars Two? Uh, it doesn't have any. It doesn't have any Nickelodeon characters in it. <laughs> so that uh, that Nickelodeon brawl looked like it had uh, the Avatar characters. Mm-hmm. That that looked pretty sweet. I, I I think a lot of people would like to play as Toth, throwing around boulders and stuff. Fun fact: we uh we played on me and my colleagues played on Nintendo Switch today. Very good online netcode in that game. That's good. Oh, um, I, I see where you're going. <laughs> it's uh, it's. I don't think it's on the quality level that Smash does, but it is a very good Smash like that can be played on Nintendo Switch and doesn't have horrible netcode. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> you know, also coming out this week is Far Cry Six in two days, and it's like, oh, really? It's coming out now? It's like it just snuck up on me. Yeah, I saw someone uh, do a little bit of a let's play of it. I guess a preview of it since it's not out yet, and it looks beautiful. The, the water looks excellent, and the action is very nice and fluid. And uh, apparently, there's a gator named Guapo who uh, who uh, I guess is your sidekick and uh, attacks enemies for you. Did Crytek develop this? Because I know they've they've always done far they've always done Far Cry they've always done Crisis I was wondering if they did this one too. They dropped off of the Far Cry series a while back. It's Ubisoft. It's Ubisoft Montreal now. Yeah, and that's the one thing that gives me pause about Far Cry Six, and that is it's an Ubisoft open world game. Mm -hmm. And I am not gonna go through that bullshit all over again. I just am not. I'm not. It's like it's like me and Elder Scrolls, you know. Fool me once, you know. I mean, I'm I'm if if and when Fallout Five is actually announced, it's gonna be like, uh, I might try I it. I don't think they've fooled anyone on anything. They they've been doing. Oh, they the sell a lot game. of games, but I'm talking about me personally. It's like, uh, yeah, uh. I know yeah. what you mean, because I, I put like 600 hours, I think, into Skyrim, and I don't really feel like doing that again, kind yeah. of thing. Although I will say, you know, there is a Crisis Remaster Trilogy coming soon. I think it's going to be next week. So, um, although a lot of people who want to ha- play Crisis again just because of the a very, uh, quote-unquote, boss battle, but it's against a tank. Just a regular old tank. But that was the highlight of the first Crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, and Back for Blood is coming off, out next week too, so I know what I'm playing. Yep, that's uh, that's coming to Game Pass on all forms of it. Oh yeah, console, console PC, and cloud. Yeah, I'm probably going to do it on PC because I need mouse keyboard for 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 a Left 4 Dead type game. Mm-hmm. And okay, I'm going to talk about what I've been playing. I lied. I actually did sample the Halo Infinite multiplayer. And it took some getting used to because um, a lot of the controls are switched around. Now the right uh, trigger, not trigger, but right thumbs, not right thumbstick, right shoulder button now does your special power like the grappler. 
and the left throws grenades, and to melee, you have to click the right thumbstick. And it's like you have to get used to it again. And the first the first big team battle game, I sucked. But guess what? Um, I adjusted, and I held my own in the next one. So, But for me, it's always going to be single-player anyway. I mean, I did enjoy the multiplayer of Halo 5, but I don't know um, if it's a must for me to play the multiplayer of Halo Infinite. I guess I will. Um, the reason why I didn't play too much is because you know that they're going to um, reset uh, progress, you know, on on the stuff. I still haven't really figured out the progression in Halo Infinite. I know a lot of other people are more invested in it, so they really know what's going on there. Um, but I like the way it feels. I like the way it looks, and um, that's basically it, really. Um. I also been playing Diablo 2, but that goes without saying. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I played Madden 22. And I went, I would say it's halfway through the face of the franchise before I took it and put it in the game fly, uh, fly envelope and told it never to darken my house ever again. <laughs> I, I didn't even play it long enough to get an achievement in it. I, I just, I will say this. It looks. You're, be- you're better off without that mark on your record. I'll say this: it does look great on the Xbox Series X, um, but other than that, I just didn't care. I don't want that thing in my house, <laughs> even if I'm renting it. I don't want it in my house. So, um, speaking of time loops, the game that I'm getting is going to be that um, I forgot the name of it. That time loop game that was actually a mod from Skyrim that they actually turned into a full a full game. Do you know the one I'm talking about? There's, there's a few of those that were they. No, but like this. no, no, no. But this was a this was a time loop game that actually was turned into a full game on on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to remember oh, the name of it. City City on the Water or something like that. Yeah, City of Judgment or um, it, it's gonna bother yeah. my brain now. They they revealed that at the uh, the Forbidden the, City, the Forgotten City, oh. the Forgotten City. That's the game I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I I'm. And that I'm interested in, and that um, a lot of people didn't know that 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 was actually a mod on Skyrim. That that was a, and they just it was so good that they said, you know what, we're going to turn it into a standalone game. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. So, what have you been playing, Scott? I've been playing uh, more Cold Steel Four, and uh, played some more of um, Eastward as well. I got a little bit farther, and. Uh, you know, it looks like they're fighting to to in in um, Eastward. It looks like they're fighting to get to the to the surface, and the mayor is trying to keep people from doing that uh, for whatever reason. I guess he just likes to have control and power and all that. So it's you know, it's like I said, it's an interesting story, and I'm following the characters, and I uh, now I can switch between the two, John and uh, Sam. And Sam seems to have some sort of telekinetic power where she can, uh, I guess, blow up plants and uh, paralyze uh, monsters. And then John can go over and hit them. So that's interesting. Uh, and, it, you know, like it has a little puzzles parts where one is uh, they're each in different avenues to go through and they have to do different things to help each other progress. So it's a nice little teamwork mm-hmm. thing. By the way, I almost forgot. There is a game I'm going to buy, actually buy, 
and that is Disco Elysium, the final cut on the Xbox, which is finally being released on Xbox and Switch. Yes. Which was, uh, that game is amazing by, uh, mm-hmm. many, for many of, based on what many folks have told me. We had, a that game, I think, won the most awards that I think at DICE and the Game Awards the year it came out. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Um, I've played, uh, Torment, you know, Planescape Torment, so, um, I'm not wowed by a wall of text as a lot of people are. But any game in which you have to devote um, skill points into types of debate deserves a look. <laughs> yes. And also, you if you uh, don't have skill points in certain things and you, uh, and you attempt to do skill checks on those certain things, it, uh, it can sometimes turn out in amazingly horrible ways. If if you don't have like for instance the, this isn't even a spoiler because it's in the first five minutes of the game uh, when you start the game you have to collect your clothes and your tie is hanging from a spinning ceiling fan now you could turn off the ceiling fan to grab it safely or you can use a finesse skill check to uh, to snatch it off the spinning fan now if you don't have skill points and finesse let me guess you hang yourself. <laughs> no, you uh, you yank the fa- you grab try for the tie and uh, it pulls the fan and it injures you. Okay. And uh, if you don't have enough health, it could kill you. It would have been funnier if you actually hung yourself with the by the fan if you tried it. <laughs> but uh, well, yeah, but like there, it, it I forget exactly how it, the scene plays out, but it is like. You completely bungled it, and now the fan is, and now the fan is, and your tie have fallen and hurt you horribly. Mm. Anyways, we're going to move on to game news now. Um, the first game news is New World bots flood fishing spots, so players bring boars to kill them. And this comes to us from PC Gamer. Amazon Games MMO New World had a successful first week, attracting just under a million players in its first weekend. Well, the New World has its pioneering bots and the activity they've drawn towards is fishing, specifically catching rare fish. I wonder if Scott is thinking about now um, uh, uh, Animal Crossing with rare fish. <laughs> you mentioned rare fish. Oh, I gotta get the I gotta get the whale yeah. shark. For some reason, the, the whale shark wasn't too hard to get. Uh, which one was the I, hard one then? The was is a lot of fun too. You gotta go on a rainy day and. Uh, Find the right shadow, and then you know, basically fish them out. For some reason, the bots are uniquely suited to this activity because they can tell when a cast will land a normal or a rare fish, and if it's the former, they will immediately yank back their rod. That's what she said. Um, naturally, some players aren't waiting around for Amazon Games to fix the problem and have taken matters into their own hands with a little help from nature. A classic player tactic is to drag enemy mobs into bots because because they're bots and they're only concerned about fishing results in a slow and unprotested killing of the bot, such as boars. Uh, there are reports on the New World subreddit of bots engaging in other activities such as mining, but at the moment their behavior seems overwhelmingly focused on catching those rare fish. I can't tell you how much and how annoying bots are. I love the idea of anti-bot activity and anti-bot planning. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's a good way to check. It's like it's sort of like a Turing test. You know, if the guy doesn't uh, say, oh, shit, there's a there's a mob going towards me. I better attack them and just stand there. And I've seen the video. The, the, the bot just stands there 
trying to fish while the while the boar is mauling them and killing them, and they don't care because all they care about is fishing. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's a good way to tell a human. A human will say, "Oh shit, there's something attacking me. I better stop fishing for a moment." That's yeah. a uh, that's a good idea for a for a uh, new world username. It's just you make your username Turing Test, and then you just go up and down the river murdering bots with boars or testing to uh, see if they're people. Yeah, the problem is that um yeah you can't actually directly murder anybody because of flagging. So that's why they have to drag these animals in to k- attack them themselves. You know, and it's very easy to aggro mob mobs. You know. So what you do is you aggro a mob and you run and you get them into an area. And the mob in this game don't care if you're not going to fight back. It's just going to chomp on you. How do they switch the aggro? Because usually when they're chasing a person, they're stuck on that person. Oh, they just stay with that. No, they just no, they don't stay on that person. They stay. They if you if you manage to avoid it, then they'll just be in the area and then they'll say, oh, here's someone else I can attack. Uh, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of mobs in the game that will literally just go after the nearest the nearest available target. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, New World is a strange beast. It is one of the rare MMOs that is not free to play. You know, with a subscription license. No, you have to buy to pay uh, to play it. Mm-hmm. But it's a one-time fee. You don't have to pay a monthly fee. Still, you still have to make that yeah, initial Go, investment. Go is like that. You don't have to pay a monthly fee for that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you still have to make the initial investment, though. Um, right, yeah, you have to buy the game. And uh, from what I understand, uh, they had almost a million concurrent. Last week we saw it was at like around 700,000. Now it's like a million concurrent. And I just don't see what's so special about New World. Um, at least something like Valheim, I can understand people getting it because it's a weird game. You know, there's weirdness in it. This one is just elves and dwarves from what I can tell just your typical fantasy MMO yeah I mean it is gorgeous but you know sorry well, maybe that's your answer right there it's gorgeous yeah I mean here's the thing I played games like Rift you know which would have Bafo subscription numbers and then they'd just trail off to nothing because people would say okay I'm going back to World of Warcraft I mean, World of Warcraft is no longer the behemoth it was with 17 million subs, but it still is, what, 9 million? Something like that? I have a friend who's constantly playing that and um, a different game. I forgot which one. But, um, yeah, and he's actually playing on um, World of Warcraft Classic, uh, Burning Crusade. Hmm. I'm looking at pictures of New World, and it is gorgeous, and it also looks very different from World of Warcraft, at least to me because it looks looks a little bit colonial some of the stuff uh, yeah world of warcraft ha- uh, has a more cartoonish look and that's the appeal yeah. because you can use it on older computers um and new world is just going for a very uh realistic cutting edge graphics but we've seen that before so i don't see the appeal it's not something i would want to play it's just that's just oh. my two cents yeah, could other people want to play it? And if there's no subs fee, you know, um, you know why, you know what happens then? You know, they have a lot of microtransactions in the game. So, anyways, we're gonna move on to the next item. Take it away, Scott. All right. 
Offline version of MMO Dragon Quest X hits Japan in February. This is from Eurogamer. Square Enix will release an offline version of the MMO Dragon's Quest X in February, although it's Japan only for now. Dragon Quest X Rise of the Five Tribes offline launches on PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, PC via Steam on the 26th of February 2022 in Japan. Square Enix announced, if you bought the PS4 version, you can upgrade it to the PS5 version uh, for free. And you know what? I know there's going to be a lot of people who are going to get very salty about that. <laughs> oh, really? You can you can upgrade the PS4 version for free in this game? But, uh, you know, I have to pay or I have to buy another version of the game just to play it on the PlayStation 5, too? I d- like a different game or the, the cause, I mean, I don't know. Square Enix must be uh, footing the bill on it. I don't, I don't know. Well, it is an offline, well, it's an offline MMO though. I mean, if it was an online MMO, then no one cares because that's not what, what they're spending the money on, they're spending the money in game or on the, but still, you know, there's a lot of been a lot of criticism, you know, that you have to, there's no, there's no, uh, you know, smart direct for it. Well, uh, according to Gematsu, Expansion, The Sleeping Hero, and Gilded Allies Offline, which uh, has a story as long as the original follows in the spring. Dragon Quest X launched first on Nintendo Wii in 2012, and then ported to Wii uh, U, PC, PS4, Switch, 3DS, and mobile with cross-platform play. Dragon Quest X has yet to be released outside of Japan on any of its platforms, and there's no word yet of whether this offline version will make it to these shores. I would think if they're doing an offline version, that would be kind of the point to make it that so that it can go uh, to uh, outside of Japan. Is the PS otherwise, you know? Is the PS5 region free? I don't know. DJ, um, is it is is the PS5 region free? I think that the PS PS5 is region locked. Oh, okay. Well, that that's surprising. Let me make sure on that. Because the big thing about the PS3 was that it was region free, so all you had to do was, you know, buy games from, from. Oh damn, I forgot the name of that company that sold imported games. No, Play Asia. The, Play Asia. Play Asia. Uh, PS5 is not region locked. Okay. Yeah, I just googled it. So I mean, if you really want to play it, and a lot of times they do have English subtitles on these games. Uh, Play Asia doesn't exist anymore, which is sad. As far as Dragon's Quest X, it would be great if they would uh, localize this uh, outside Japan. This is the only Dragon's Quest I haven't played, uh, and it sounds like it's a huge game. So you know. Well, it is an MMO. It has to be huge. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Um, So I figured, you know, the offline version would be fun to play. You know, it'd be fun Um, to play an offline version of. World of Warcraft. I mean, here's the thing. Haven't you ever played World of Warcraft and say, gee, I wish I could play this single player and just play it as a regular RPG and, you know, hire, you know, hire people to go with you on these quests? If, if, if they had a hiring mechanic, which I don't think they have. Uh, no, well, there would be a special, it would be a special rule for the single player version. Yeah, because those, those instances are ridiculously long and hard and, and just time consuming. And 
you know, you could be over leveled and it's still like a chore to go through. I, I don't know. It is for me. So I, I just, I don't know. A hiring mechanic, you say. The type of game where you hire on characters perhaps made by other players. <laughs> what, it sounds like you're talking about dragons. Dragon's Dogma. Dogma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's offline. Yeah, but here's the thing. Dragon's Dogma is not World of Warcraft. That's that's the main thing, though. It's not World of Warcraft. And here's the thing about World uh, World of Warcraft. That's the game in which you experiment a lot. Oh, I'm going to try Undead. Oh, I'm going to try Torn. Oh, I'm going to try... I'm going to try Drenay Priest. Oh, I'm going to try Blood Elf uh, War. You know, that game has so many possibilities. And the thing is that, can you imagine doing that offline? Or even better, just doing it, um, you know, an offline co-op, you know? I think one of the things I don't like about the World of Warcraft is that there's no real permanency. You you beat a boss, and he's just back in five or ten minutes, and... You could either fight him again. Well, that would be the difference between the MMO and the single player now, wouldn't it? Because if yeah. you're playing a single player version, you can have everything that you do become permanent. And as a matter of fact, you'd have to make it permanent or else you it would be really annoying if you're playing single player and the same quests keep on popping up. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because it's like there's a lot of things I don't really like about how there's so many people on there. It's like like cross code is like the ideal way that I would have liked the MMOs to be. But in reality, it's not in reality. You have like a hundred people all jumping around you and, and, and just being obnoxious and not helpful. Well, you see, that is the main um, thing about an MMO is that no matter how much the game will tell you, you're not special. There's about 500,000 people who are doing the same exact thing as you. Exactly. You are just you are just another person in the – and there are some MMOs where that would work. I mean for something like Star Citizen or EVE Online and stuff like that, it works that you are just a cog in the machine, right? World of Warcraft is a fantasy game in which you're trying to defeat gods, and you're going to be the 5,633rd person that day who defeated a certain god. Yep. <laughs> it just doesn't feel special. I liked Guild Wars because they did they do do quests where it's just you and you're doing your story and well Guild Wars like it's your story. Well, Guild Wars was basically all the single player was a training to do um the uh the PVP at at the end end game content. They also had thing well one of the things that I think Scott is alluding to is they also have these things called instance quests quests where like it was you could still do them with other people but it was like a scripted quest that had like a it was like a dungeon that had a beginning and an ending and it was yeah the the endings were sometimes very grandiose rift was the first person uh was the first game to do that and then world of warcraft copied it because if you were played uh wrath of the lich king you have that opening in which it's just you and you alone doing the uh that opening mission before you're sent out into the world so it was your story specifically that, and you were making choices. Yeah. Um, and you could still do that, um, but it still ends up with you and a couple thousand other people because they need to make money somehow. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I'm just saying that I would be all in for World of Warcraft uh, single player mod uh, a game. 
Well, that's, and, that's that was like Warcraft three. So they, you want a Warcraft four, basically. <laughs> I don't want a Warcraft four. I want a World of Warcraft. <laughs> well, I already have a Diablo two and a Diablo four coming. Well, I think uh, there's better chance of Dragon's Quest ten going uh, localized than um, than a single player World, World of Warcraft right now. I think I would love to play uh, uh, an MMO on the three DS. <laughs> That's cute. Playing your playing a MMO on a 3DS. Yeah. Anyways, well, we're gonna that, go ahead. I was gonna say it's uh that's the Animal Crossing. You can visit people's islands on the 3DS. It's not massive, but it's still multiplayer. Yeah. We're gonna move on to the next item. Go ahead, TJ. Metroid Prime 3 developer reveals scrapped open-world plans from Eurogamer. Early plans for Metroid Prime 3 featured a more open-world and less linear story, a former staff member at Retro Studios revealed. Brian Walker, senior producer on Metroid Prime 2 and 3, said one concept would have Samus traverse environments in her ship in a much more ambitious way than what we saw in the final game. Speaking with Kiwi Talks, as transcribed by Video Game Chronicle, Video Games Chronicle, uh, Walker suggested that this idea was eventually dropped after the final Wii technical specs were detailed. We wanted to a great degree leverage. We wanted to a great degree leverage the ship as a playable asset, and we had that to some degree in Prime Three. But Mark Pacini, Metroid Prime series director, was thinking more, much more ambitiously, Walker said. There was also an open world that was much less linear and that he was proposing and the team was excited about. We weren't able to prototype a lot of those because they were really big. We did have some ship prototypes, but the open world one was much bigger. Metroid Prime 3 eventually released in August 2007, nine months after the Wii's launch, with far simpler sequences involving Samus' ship at specific story moments. Retro Studios is now busy building Metroid Prime 4, after development was rebooted from scratch and given to the studio in 2019. Walker, meanwhile, now works at Life is Strange True Colors developer Deck 9 Games, which just released its enjoyable DLC expansion, Wavelengths. By the way, we should mention that in a couple of days, Metroid Dread comes out. I cannot wait. It's going to be so good. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to playing that game as well. So let me ask you a question, TJ. How much would you have enjoyed an open world Metroid Prime 3? Nah. I mean, like, they... I can see why they didn't, because, like, not only the technical difficulties, but look what happened with uh, with, uh, Star Star Fox Zero. Yeah, that wasn't Retro Studios, though, and it's not like you're handing it off to a different developer. I mean, these people did do Metroid Prime 1 and 2, so they they would have had a plan for it, you know? And what they're basically saying is that Metroid Prime 3 is just a stripped-down version of what they had envisioned. Yeah, I mean, I, li- I like the idea of Metroid as a... I don't like the idea of Metroid as an open-world game. I think it I think it succeeds better as, like, a... Well, before before Metroid Prime 1, there was a lot of people who didn't uh, like the idea of a first-person Samus. I think I would be fine with... um, I do like 2D uh, Metroid, but I think it it would be interesting if they did open world and you didn't have to go hunt down your old powers, you know, or at least you had 
some of them. Oh, you know, the old you, bag of spilling. You know, do, do, doing the whole starting from scratch thing, it kind of gets old a little bit, I think. Well, here's uh, the thing. You know, they did release uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, and that worked out. And you have to imagine, yeah. maybe they could do that with Metroid at some point. I think Metroid is better when it's got a focused experience. Like the whole, it's it's not like Metroid is a is like a a narrow corridor all the way from beginning to end. Anyways, it's like it's Metroidvania. You you get some abilities, you go back and you check out some things that you couldn't before. But if you just opened the world and just let it and just trusted the player to go do whatever. I feel like you lose some of the dramatic tension that comes with Metroid. Metroid is great to me because there's an atmosphere to it of isolation and loneliness and and being and always knowing that there could be like a monster hanging out on the other side of the door that you're about to go through. And I think that you lose that by opening it up to a giant open environment. That's just my opinion, though. Like I said, um, yeah. it's not like you're handing it to a different developer and saying, "Hey, Trax, how about you experiment?" I, I, I can see where you're coming from, TJ, because you can get to like in Breath of the Wild, uh, you can get to Ganon really quickly. You know, even even spending time doing all the side quests and everything, and you go to that dungeon, and it looks big, but there's apparently a path that you can follow, and you get to Ganon within five minutes. Well, here's the thing. Trying to do one of the side quests first. It was crazy. When I say you can do something like Metroid Prime with Breath of the Wild, I didn't mean in gameplay. I just meant technologically now. Yeah. Right. I oh, mean, you yeah. could you could have specific paths. Here's the thing. Mass Effect, not uh, Andromeda. I'm talking about the other Mass Effects. It tricks you into thinking that you really have an open world, but you don't. You don't. It's just... Here's a door, here's a door, here's a door. You can do it in any order you want. As a matter of fact, that's what Bioware did all the way from uh, Star Wars, the Old Rep- uh, Knights of the Old Republic. It was, here are four separate missions, l- lengthy you know, missions, but after you do those four, we're going to telescope you to the main mission, back to the main mission. You know, But you can do them in any order you like. So it isn't like you'd have a wide-open story for it. You'd just be... Well, you can take, you can do this one first, or this one first, or this one first, or this one first. But at the end, you know, you're going to have to focus on one thing. I mean, I, I, I understand there is something to be said to having a um, focused. Because here's what I, I, my favorite of the Batman Arkham's is the first one, Arkham Asylum, because that was more or less a single oh, what's it called a single path during the entire thing i mean you could explore the asylum but guess what you had to go to this building then this building then this building if you wanted to progress you know you didn't have any other option when they did arkham city the story got more unfocused and it got less interesting and the more open world it became the more unfocused the uh, the, uh, the experience was and what really suffered were the predator missions because in Arkham Asylum, those were set pieces. Those were set pieces that were set up very specifically. Right. In Arkham Knight, you they're boring because you can attack from any direction and they're hyper easy. You're not in an enclosed space. You're not – in Arkham Asylum, you had specific things that were going on and you had to figure – it was like – it was a puzzle basically. 
and that's what you lost when you made it op- more and more open world. Right. And in that regard with Metroid with uh Metroid like even even the original Metroid primes are just like yes they're they're first person but like you also have that you have that space in which like you never know like the, you often have like nothing but the buzzing of like Samus's gear going on around you and everything can be starkly quiet for a second and it just builds up this tension that you never know what's going to come at you when you open the next door. And I think that if you open it up to like where she's just running around a planet or flying around in their ship, not only do you lose the focus of like, well, she's on this mission to destroy what, to, to stop whatever it is that's threatening the universe because she can just go do anything she feels like doing. But here's the thing. They didn't say, they didn't say open world and they didn't say open story. They said more open world and less linear, not no linear. So you'd have I'm thinking I'm I'm guessing they were going to give you the illusion of free uh, exploration without actually having free exploration, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I think you have to be able to build that tension with Metroid or it kind of loses the flavors that makes that makes it Metroid. Or else you have Metroid Other M. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> which was not which was not scary at all. Just had her whining about needing her daddy figure and rolling around in a bottle, in a baby's bottle. So many motherhood references. and Samus became just a visual novel girl. Sorry. <laughs> I'm criticizing Other M, which a lot of other people have done much better than me. Anyways, we're going to move on to the next item. <laughs> Sora revealed as the final Super Smash Bros. Ultimate DLC fighter. And this comes to us from Shaq News. Just recently, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate director Masahiro Sakurai told us that the final character of the Super Smash Bros. Ultimate Fighters Pass Volume 2 might be a player character we did not know about and that it would be a presentation to see whether the players played Smash or not. Players got to see the reveal of Sora along with the demonstration of their abilities, the new stage and the music coming along with them, and quite a few other surprises during the overall presentation. Sora will launch with the new fighters in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate on October 18th, 2021. It's been a long road to this point, and Sora rounds out a pretty surprising round of DLC characters that saw Min Min from ARMS, Steve from Minecraft, Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII, Pyra from Xenoblade Chronicles, and Tezuya from Tekken join the roster. Everyone believed the last reveal was going to be big, with many banking on Sora from Kingdom Hearts or Master Chief from Halo. The problem with that is that Master Chief has never appeared in a Nintendo game at all, and Steve has. But also, I am bored to tears with Kingdom Hearts. I don't want to see another Kingdom Hearts ever again in my life. That's fine and all, but (laughs) this was probably the most interesting character reveal that they've ever done. And, And not just because Sora and the keyblade and all that jazz are unique but at the same time nintendo n- nintendo not only needed to work this out with square enix because square enix doesn't own sora disney does so they had to get disney to the table square enix to the table and get everybody to agree on everything to make this happen i don't think that you could do much better for a final character reveal and Smash Brothers, if this was going to be the last one that happens, which it is. It's a good closing chapter on this entire 82 character roster. 
I think uh, another thing that needs to be added here, and I know Jonah doesn't care, but uh, <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 1 through 3 are going to come to the Switch, and I think that was definitely part of this deal for that. I think um, the Kingdom Hearts compilation is coming to multi-platform. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but like you can, if you if you want to think about the legality that went to went into this, you can see where concessions are made. Because Sora is coming to uh, Smash Brothers, but Donald and Goofy are nowhere in sight, and there's a reason. And there is a reason for that. Like, is there a demand to play as Donald or Goofy in Super Smash Brothers? Really? I mean, they're, the, they're the party members that come along with Sora. You would expect to see them, and maybe as there wouldn't be a demand to play as them, but maybe to see them in like his attacks or in his animations or in his stage, they're not there. Is Pac Man? Or is that too much? Yeah, Pac-Man or Bandai Namco not going to allow that because I know that they, he was in um, Tekken versus Street Fighter, or actually Street Fighter versus Tekken. Pac-Man's a playable character in Smash Bros. Oh, okay, that's what I was wondering. Okay. So it's like there were concessions made for this, and nonetheless, it happened. And it's like I've I've seen all of the Smash Brothers announcements and seeing the internet after, immediately after they happen. I have never seen the Smash community more happy to see an announcement than I've seen with this one. Is Sora? Really? There, there are some people who are upset that they there wanted Waluigi. Yeah. <laughs> they want Waluigi? Yeah, <laughs> people are like, no justice for Waluigi, and they're showing a meme of, of Waluigi all beaten up and Sora standing over him. There is a very convincing argument that actually Luigi and Waluigi are the same person. They don't look anything alike, but okay. No, it's true. Hold on. I know it's true. There's a theory, but I'm not. I don't agree with it. It doesn't matter. It's fictional. <laughs> theory. My favorite. Uh, my favorite story about them is that they're not actually brothers. They're just two similar-looking dudes that found their way to each other and have similar interests. You know, I mean, there was a, a story, apparently, that uh, uh, Krusty the Clown was going to, on The Simpsons, was going to end up being Homer in makeup. But, you know, they, they went against that idea and decided not to do it. But then they so, then they went with that idea when Homer go, becomes a clown and he's able to pass off, himself off as Krusty. Yeah. That's an old episode. That was before Homer became a millennial. Yeah. I wish they had gone with that, but they didn't. So, I don't know. With, with fictional characters, they can just do whatever they want, really. Yeah, but, you know, having Homer and, and Krusty be separate people worked out because Krusty is completely corrupt and selfish and just, you know, just a very bad person when you think about it. And also, yeah. you couldn't have um, uh, you couldn't have Jackie Mason as his father if he yeah, was Homer. I, I think... Early on, Krusty was a little bit more open. It, it, it took a little while to show him as a corrupt person and make him clearly different. So, but yeah, mm. uh, I mean, I, I don't know what's the story with Waluigi and Wario. They just are they like mega characters or something? Here's the thing: they never actually say that they are brothers. They say that here's the thing: Mario, uh, uh, Wario, is a mirror of. Mario, but the manuals have actually explicitly stated that Luigi and Waluigi are not mirrors of each other. 
and that Waluigi and Wario are not related. Which is interesting. Yes. They're just two like-minded, greedy people that found their way to each other and like hanging out. And um, and also, uh, Waluigi has no problem with Luigi. Has yeah, like, no no like problem. Mario and- yeah, Wario and, and Mario are rivals. Waluigi doesn't care about Luigi. He just doesn't. <laughs> Which makes me wonder. I want to see Waluigi's mansion now. <laughs> and the only reason he's there is because there is a Wario. So they said, well, I have to make a Waluigi now, don't we? And they never really figured him out, so they wrote up very brief things and things, and it's like, from that, there's a lot of information that they don't give. And it's easy to see where um, they, they're, uh, Waluigi and Luigi are the same person. Just Luigi dressed differently. Now, that doesn't explain why they can play tennis against each other in Mario Tennis. But, you know, here's the thing. A lot of times, games in which there are Waluigi, there are no Luigi. Uh, that that play against each other. The only time you ever see Waluigi and Luigi have to face off is in Mario Tennis. Otherwise, they never really interact, and that's why people think that they're both the same person. <laughs> There's a video about this, which I'll have to provide in the link for the podcast. Yeah. Well, on the matter of Sora and Smash, like... Here's a here's a problem with I have with Sora is that he's such a pill. He's such a non-entity to me. He is such a generic nothing. He's not a nothing. That would make him a heartless. He's a he's a something. <laughs> okay. He is a blank slate. <laughs> he is a generic uh, uh, Square Enix hero. I would have preferred that brat from uh, from Nino Kuni be the or actually either brat and Nino Kuni. Uh, uh, Nino Kuni or Nino Kuni 2 be a, a character, or unless they already are one. No, people, have, people have been asking for Sora though since, well, back in Smash 4 when they did Why? that character. Why? Why? He's. A <laughs> Do people really identify with Sora? Yeah. I mean, like you said, he has. He has degree. He's kind of a blank slate. Every kid. He's has less personality than Master Chief. He has more personality than Bubba Fett, and yet people love and obsess over Bubba Fett and Darth Maul. Well, that's because he actually has a cool character design, and Sora doesn't. <laughs> if the, uh, Boba Fett is a character design, but at least he's a good character design. Darth that's Maul... At all. Have you seen Sora's pants? I don't even know if you can call them pants. They're weird. Darth Maul has a good character design, but he was a nothing character, too, and they're trying to make him something. Now, there's a character that could have been in, in Super Smash Brothers, Darth Maul. Oh, yeah. People would have lost their minds if he showed up. <laughs> well, hey, look, you know, Yoda and Darth Vader appeared in Soul Calibur. Why not? Mm-hmm. I think it was Soul Calibur like, 4. There were so many things that, like, could have happened here, and I think that a lot of people, a lot more people would have complained if most of them happen, because not everybody, not everybody likes Master Chief and not everybody likes Crash Bandicoot. And Gino is like a niche thing, even though I would have liked to see Gino happen. I would have liked to see that payoff. Waluigi would have been like a meme thing, but I think that it would have been more funny than actually cool. Actually, I thought it, I would have thought it would be more entertaining if Linda from Dead or Alive 5 were in uh, 
Better I four were in Super Smash Brothers instead of Master Chief. For those you don't, well, go ahead. I was say for those who don't know, Lindo was the uh, Spartan that appears in Dead or Alive four, and apparently it's canon somehow, <laughs> which is why it's not Master Chief. But what would have happened if that happened is that you would have had like eighty percent of people go who. Yeah, well, that's what people say about the fucking ice climbers. Come on. <laughs> and then 20% of people would have been like, what the fuck? Why her? Well, why the fuck ice climbers? Because they were in because they were in either Brawl or Melee, and for some reason people wanted them back. I don't really like uh, the ice climbers or that the, much. I, th- I, I you thought know, or, the Wii instructor was an odd choice to add. I fucking oh, yeah, thought... I fucking thought Steve from Minecraft was an odd choice because that's 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 a blank slate. But at least they got creative with it and put blocks in the game. It's like it's true. Wow. But it's like I don't know. You played Telltale Telltale uh, as a Minecraft game, uh, yeah. Scott. Yes, I did. <laughs> at least they had pers- some personalities. Yeah, and they I mean, definitely had story there. And, and Steve is recognizable across generations. Like there are so yep. many people that know exactly what they're looking at when they look at Steve, and they're just like, "Oh my God, they actually did it." They should have. They should have thought outside the box and had someone like Major Kira from Deep Space Nine as a character. She would have put it. She wouldn't have put up with any shit. That's true. <laughs> I just think it's cool because for Sora. With Sora, like, say what you want about his character. Say what you want about Kingdom Hearts. There are a lot of people that, like, have spent more than ten years of their life watching, yes. playing through that series. That's probably the only reason I have Sora is that Kingdom Hearts is a big franchise, which I... And it's like, this is a payoff dream for a lot of people to see this happen. Paul might have liked it too. Uh, I think he was a. Oh, here's the thing. Uh, yeah, here's the thing about Paul. Um, he was getting tired of Kingdom Hearts because they kept on doing the same game over and over and over and over again. And mm. now Sora is in a much more interesting game that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> oh, I like TJ. Always putting a positive spin on everything. I won't. Uh, yeah, I'd rather have for, uh, ha- I'd rather have Mr. Spock as a character. Can you imagine people? They would lose their minds over that. Yeah. <laughs> but any given Star Trek character in uh, Smash Brothers. I I fully admit it's not the character that everybody wanted. It's not necessarily the character that I wanted, but it is very cool, and I'm really happy for all the fans oh, that wanted this I thought, to happen. I thought you were going to say this isn't the character we wanted. This is the character we needed. <laughs> it, is the, it is kind of the character like I th- like I, I, I said at the beginning of this, I don't think you could have a better ending chapter for the for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate than to do Sora. Well, how about this? How about someone like uh, Superman in Super Smash nope. Brothers? No, nah. I feel like that's a little overkill. I'm well, you have Sephiroth in it. I mean, his voice actor George Newbern played uh, Superman in uh, Superman versus the Elite. Superman and, could just fly above everybody and shoot him with his death laser. No, this is here's the thing that Super Smash Brothers is magic and Superman is vulnerable to magic, so it's not a problem. Yeah. Almost every character that you could come up with, I could argue that that character would fall into one of two categories. Okay, of you know categories. what? I, you know what? I, you, you you actually you know you actually convinced me. I'd rather see Donald Duck than Sora. 
Because here's the thing: when he gets angry, he, he, you've seen what happens when he gets angry. He just just yeah. goes into a circle and he's like, <laughs> seeing a seeing a pissed off Donald Duck is far more in, interesting than Sora. <laughs> a frustrated Donald Duck is far more interesting than Sora. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying, based upon the people that I've seen asking for characters for years for Smash, a lot of them fall into a couple categories niche to where like there there are a bunch of loud people there are a few loud people that want that character what you mean like having the main character from mother three in it yes exactly which is basically a generic a generic sprite basically (laughs) a handful of people and not really anyone else yeah. And then and then the other end of that is like a funny meme pick, which is what characters like Goku and Waluigi fall into. You know it what? Would be, it would be hilarious if Goku and Waluigi ended up in the game. But would it really be fun? I don't know. Well, how about this? Why not do what uh, Capcom did and just bring in uh, Phoenix Wright? Because he's not as cool as Sora. I'm just going to say Really? That. Phoenix Wright is... Okay, how about this? Instead of Phoenix Wright, bring in Prof- uh, Professor Layton. And he is a Nintendo. He's been in a lot of Nintendo games. Granted, they're all handheld. Uh, he's, he he's, uh, he abhors violence. I, I don't think that... Well, uh, so what? <laughs> then he would attack... Here's the thing. Um, how does how does Phoenix Wright... He, he attacks with words and papers and all that stuff. You can do that with Professor Layton. He attacks people with puzzles and confuses them to death. He just yells, objection, and the objection physically hits them. <laughs> but the point of the matter is, Sora doesn't fall into those categories. He's not niche. He's not a meme pick. He's not... He's not an awful pick either. It was a long shot for him to be there in the first place because of all the legality and companies involved. It's just kind of to see that trailer come together, to see the end shot where freaking Mario of Super Mario Brothers and Sora from Kingdom Hearts are shaking hands with a shit ton of characters from all over the video game franchises of the world standing around them. Thank you. You just... You just gave me diabetes. It's it's awesome. You just it's gave awesome. me you just gave me a severe case of diabetes. That was so sugary. Well, you don't have to worry about it because <laughs> the chances of something like this ever happening again within our lives is astronomically low. That's not true. I mean, you had people would have said that about uh, Mario and Sonic being in the same game. Yeah, but we're talking about not just Mario and Sonic being in the same game. We're talking about Mario, Sonic, Simon Belmont, Pac-Man, uh, Sora from Kingdom Hearts, Cloud, Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII, Snake from Metal Gear Solid. God, I could go on. There's so many Bayonetta. The most, yeah, I was, you, you beat me to it. Uh, the most unlikely person was Bayonetta. In a, but here's the problem is that they had to strip all her sexuality around out of the character. So now she's just someone's great aunt. She's 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 a non-character now. I don't. There's nothing she's that not there for sex. She's there for fighting. I don't. She's, she's not. Just, she's not. Well, she. You've played Bayonetta, right? She's. I've, I've uh, seen it. Yeah. One of her one of her um, taunts is to spread her legs and say, "Bring it." And also one of her and also one of her attacks has her saying fuck off. So See, and yeah, you couldn't do that in a Nintendo game, but 
Yeah, they, well, you could you could do that in a Nintendo game. You just can't do that in Super Smash Brothers. And the thing is that she's she's just she's just uh, she's like an actress playing Bayonetta. That's not Bayonetta. That's just some off-brand Bayonetta uh, who's um. It reminds me of uh, the Dune toys. Do you remember Dune 1984? They had a toy line for that. They had a RoboCop toy line for that. An R-rated film got a toy line. That's what Bayonetta is. Just a toy that's been that that's been sanitized for kids, you know. But you can't watch the original. I mean, take a ten-year-old to see the original. Uh, take a nine-year-old to see the original RoboCop. I mean, sure, they're not going to let her say fuck in a Nintendo game for, for a kid. It's not Bayonetta. But her moveset is still pretty sensual. Is Dante a complete asshole? I'm sorry? In the game. What is that? Dante's in the game. He isn't? No, he's not. Oh, wow. So I guess... That's one that that a lot of people wanted, but no. Okay. Uh, Anyways, (laughs) we're going to move on to the next item. Take it away, TJ. (laughs) Alrighty. Wasteland 3's final DLC is out now from Rock, Paper, Shotgun. Wasteland 3's final DLC is out. Cult of the Holy Detonation features two mutant cults worship that, who worship a nuclear explosion in stasis. And as usual, it's your job to chat with them and probably choose between them in, ter- in between turn-based battles. When you reach level 16, you'll have a chance to visit the Cayenne Mountain military complex. Do so, and when you arrive, you'll find two cults at war. They both worship a nuclear explosion that is frozen in time, and which and which could either provide a lot of power to the Colorado area or destroy it. In Exile says the DLC features new characters, enemies, and challenging combat encounters, and powerful new weapons and armor. It also has objective-based encounters where your squad will fight an endless swarm that stops only when you've successfully shut down a reactor or secured some other MacGuffin. They also say this is the end for Wasteland 3. With the, with the release of the Cult of the Holy Detonation, the story of the Desert Rangers in Colorado has come to an end, reads a blog post on the In Exile site. Yep, and uh, this is a game that you love, I know, and this is a game I enjoy too, although I never got to finish it. I really should at some point, actually. Yes. It's such a vast game with so many choices to make. I uh, I haven't gotten to the end of it yet either. But um, it's one that like I keep on the I keep loaded up on my uh, on my PS5, and I'm gonna finish it someday. <laughs> I would like to, and I would like to see these DLCs that they've done because apparently they've done th- two or three of them at this point. You haven't played any of the DLC. I haven't had a chance to. Oh, okay. But um, I mean it's at some point I hope that they do like a bundle of the DLC where I don't have to buy them all separately. But mm-hmm. if they don't. Nonetheless, I want to finish this game because it's a good one. And uh, if this is the end of it, then uh, I would say that for what I've played so far, NXL did an incredible job with this, and I hope they do well. And ne- I hope they have fun moving on to their next game. Yeah, and that's the entire point: is that um, whatever NXL is going to be doing next is going to be a Microsoft exclusive. Because that's if right. we all remember, they bought NXL. And I would. Here's the thing: Microsoft is saying Microsoft told uh, Brian Fargo. Okay, whatever you want to make, just do it. Whatever whatever thing you want to do, just do it. So whatever we see from Exile, it's going to be something that is not mandated. You know, it's not like, oh, make Wasteland 4. They're going to make something new, and that that's something – hopefully, they, uh, if they make a Wasteland 4, it's because they want to, not because they're forced to. 
Let me put it that way. But, um, yeah. It's very interesting that, uh, in the case of both N Exile and, uh, and Double Fine, Microsoft kind of swooped in with these studios after they'd had some very successful crowdfunding campaigns for their games. <laughs> successful, but not enough money. <laughs> and Microsoft said, here's some more money. And they said, yes, yep. please. Because I think we discussed this before, uh, shocking to think of, but Psychonauts 2 would not have had any boss battles if Microsoft hadn't purchased it. Yes. Which, Which is strange. The boss battles are amazing in that game. Yeah, everybody likes Compton's cookout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mac- Microsoft money is uh, helping a lot of games, actually. Not just uh, Obsidian and in Exile and Psychonauts makers, but also... With Ayudian uh, Chronicles 2, uh, they are said that they were able to expand their games due to you know Microsoft uh, deal for Game Pass and showing them at their uh, um, reveal. So it's uh, Microsoft is helping a lot in the gaming industry right now. Well, they're helping Microsoft, that's for sure. But yeah. we're getting all the, we're getting all the uh, people who have Game Pass are getting all the, um, the benefits from it. I'm looking forward to seeing whatever Nexile is going to do next, because Brian Fargo is a very interesting developer. You know what I would like to see them do? Is ask Microsoft to buy the Jagged Alliance IP and have them do a Jagged Alliance game. They're doing a Jagged Alliance game, though. Oh, not 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 in Exile. No, the, the people who made, I think... Hold really? On, I need to go back and find this. They just announced Jagged Alliance 3 very recently. THQ Nordic did. Yeah, Jagged Alliance 3 was announced when? 2007, 2008, something ridiculous like that? No, so, yeah. this, isn't, this isn't one of the crappy spinoffs. This was announced September <laughs> 2021. Okay. Um, it's being done by whom? Damn it. Hold on, hold on. Oh, it's being done by uh, the, by uh, Hamamont Games. The people who worked on Tropicos 3 through 5 and Omerta City of Gangsters. Okay, so it's not Mad Lab. Nope, it's Hamamont, which, uh, I don't know. I, like, I love Tropico 3 through 5, so I do want, and Omerta wasn't that bad either, so. Well, if you ever look at the uh, credits for Jagged Alliance 2, you'll find my name there. I was one of the beta testers. Nice. But yeah, like this. I'm in Moby Games. <laughs> if you haven't seen this, you need to get a look at it, Jonah, because it looks it looks like they're taking a page out of the Desperados Three playbook. With oh the, God, with no! The, with what they're putting together. For oh them. God, you know, no! Like no! Like God, game? no! No! I hated Desperados Three. Oh, Jesus, that's the game in which it reminds you, hey, have you quick saved? Have you quick saved? Have you quick saved? Have you quick saved? And there's a reason why so there's a reason why they're saying they ask you to quick save every and there's a timer on the screen uh, showing the last time you quick saved because it's friggin' dependent on people reloading. Jagged Alliance, Jagged Alliance was always a turn-based game. Yes, and this is still going to be that. What I meant okay. was it it's not going to play like Desperados 3, but what I meant is the environments look freaking gorgeous. Um, you know what? I think we should explain Jagged Alliance to people. So here it is. And Jagged Alliance is a tactical strategy game. However, uh, the big difference between this and other uh, tactical strategy games is you hire mercenaries, and 
they have their own needs and desires, and they also have rivals. And if you put two mercenaries on a team that don't like each other, you're going to have a problem. And also, these mercenaries just may up and quit. And there's also permadeath. Once a mercenary dies, that's it. They're gone forever. So it it it's um it's a very I'm not going to say realistic, but it is a game that you have to consider who you're putting on a team and how they work together. It's not exactly Darkest Dungeon, but I would compare it to it in that you really have to pay attention to your team and how they're feeling. Yes, and uh, that is apparently going to be the case with uh, Jagged Alliance 3 as well. Because that's like, what that's what separates this from games like Final Fantasy Tactics, right? This uh, The entire point of the game is managing a team more than what your team is comprised of, and it's more of what they're thinking, doing, feeling, and what they're good at. Have you ever mm-hmm. have you ever heard of Dragon Alliance, Scott? Uh, yes, I have. I have uh, not okay. played it though. The reason why I got into Dragon Alliance because I think I was in that. There was a time in which it's not a Sid Meier game, but there was a time in which Sid Meier's games were really. Did you know uh, that Sid Meier did a tactical, uh, what's it called, a tactical uh, military game? I guess I didn't know. Yeah, he did more than just strategy games uh, during his Microprose days. And one of the games that were, I think it was published by Microprose at the time, I know it was Seertech who did Jagged Alliance. But um, those are the sort of games that were being put out by Microprose. And I liked the idea of uh, Jagged Alliance, and I got hooked. Because it is, at the time, and maybe still now, it's unlike any tactical strategy game you'll play. Yeah. And I like... The, the Jack Alliance one and two are good. The spinoffs that have come out after them mm. suck, and they've <laughs> been through and they've been through several different developers. I like Hammond because I like Tropico. I really like what Tropico has been doing for the. And I know this last one wasn't by Hammond, Tropico six, but Tropico three through five were pretty good. And. Uh, I did like Omerta. I know a lot of people have problems with that game, but I enjoyed it for what it was. I uh, I feel like it's it might be in good hands with them. I don't know. You 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 need to get a look at it for yourself and see what you think. But uh, like I I am actually excited to see what they do with Jagged Alliance three. I'm sorry, no Mad Lab Games never did. Uh, they did they did a, a port of it. Uh, it was Surtech who developed it. Developed the first Jagged Alliance. Mm-hmm. Like I said, um, it's one of those games in which I can wait. Um, I was really excited over Evil Genius 2. It really didn't capture me like I thought it would. I mean, it's not a bad game, but it's not the sort of game which I'm going to play over and over and over again. Uh, Jagged Alliance and Railroad Tycoon and Civilization 1, those games I kept on playing over and over and over again. So we'll see. I- I'm a hard person to please when it comes to Jagged Alliance. And the, the thing is that I won't be able to judge unless I'm actually playing it. I don't care the screenshots you show me. I don't care about the, the developer logs that you show me. It's all a matter of feel, and it has to feel right. Right. Having been a beta tester for them, for the Jagged Alliance 2, I guess I'm have. I guess i a little more sensitive than other people when it comes to that. It's like, I remember what it was like. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Well, I hope they do well on this one. Like, I would like to see a good, a good new Jagged Alliance game. Yep. I uh I think uh I think it's a good franchise 
that's been mishandled by a lot of people, and I would like to see it come back in a meaningful way. Look for our show notes at GamingPodcast.net. Along with the industry news, our gaming history articles. We enjoy feedback. So leave us comments at our blog at GamingPodcast.net. Also, hit us up at Facebook.com slash GamingPodcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us on iTunes comments. You can find me on Twitter at Jonah Falcon. You can find me at Johnny Chugs. You can find me at Charger Moore. And we will see you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun, be cool, play games, y'all. Yeah, you really have a, uh, some white noise on your end there, uh, Scott. I don't know what it is. What are you using? A Blue Yeti. Oh, so am I. So uh, there shouldn't be... Hey, wait a minute. Do you actually have the app on? The what on? G-Hub. Huh? G-Hub. I don't know what that is. It's a. It's uh, the software. It's the software that comes with uh with that that works with the uh with the Yeti. So there's your problem right there. You know what you need to do is you need to download and then use it because it does have noise. Where where, where do I get the software? Because they oh just go Yeti. Just say Yeti. Um, there's no software there. They they don't give you software. I downloaded it. I don't know it, what you're thinking. <laughs> it didn't come. It didn't come out with the blue. The original blue Yeti didn't come out with G Hub support, but I think they've added to it. Another thing is, uh, it's all Logitech stuff. Yeah. Well, I, it I also works with my. It also works with my my Logitech uh, cam if I wanted to. But blue. But Logitech. Uh, but Logitech adding G Hub support to the original blue Yeti is kind of more of a recent thing. Yeah. Um. In any case, you also just might mess with the gain switch on the back because uh, that might help with. Uh, yeah, I have it all the way down. Oh. Well, then you know what? Here's the thing. Um, the um, G Hub actually has noise reduction on it, automatic noise reduction. What kind of Yeti do you have? Is it just the two-way, like a cardioid and an Omni, or is it? It has the on the back. It has four different. Uh, setting options for different patterns. Oh, there you go. Make sure it's on cardioid. I think it is. That's wow. the one that's uh, like a half circle with a little dip yeah. at the bottom. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. Just to make sure that the only thing it's recording is in front of you. But then you also um, need to download G-Hub so that you can have the noise reduction. Okay. I'll look for G-Hub. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we'll talk next week. Bye-bye.